Glory to Jesus Christ. Glory to God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We come to this Sunday on the doorstep of Great Lent. This Sunday, Forgiveness Sunday, Cheese Fair Sunday, Expulsion from Paradise Sunday. Take your pick. They all uh, accurately describe the Sunday that we stand on the eve of. And the hymnody for this particular Sunday emphasizes the loss of paradise. Adam sitting outside paradise, weeping for what he has lost. Like most things, uh, many of us don't always understand or know how good it is until we've lost something. And then we realize just what exactly we have lost. And Adam, sitting outside of paradise, sits down and weeps. This, of course, uh, reverberates through scripture. The sigh, the tears of mankind longing for that time in which we would have just walked in the cool of the day, as maybe some of you remember from a particular hymn, maybe growing up in Protestant circles. Terry kind of laughs a little bit. (laughs) And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me, I am his own. There are, in those memories, especially from my childhood of thinking of that particular hymn, this rhymes with this uh, Sunday that we... Uh, without maybe some of the kind of sentimentality to it, but there is something uh, sentimental, and not in a kind of syrupy way, but there's a real deep truth that we long for something we don't have, that we long for paradise, for Eden, and Eden calls out to us. I, I think the past two Sunday evenings, and maybe even the sermon on Sunday, I am just always struck by the the music of the rustling leaves, as the translation had it. This idea that paradise itself uh, has music, has a particular draw and appeal, and it's calling us to come back. The challenge, of course, is to have a conviction, the thought, uh, maybe even a nostalgia for paradise, But like what the challenge of nostalgia is, it's just that. It's nostalgia. It's that kind of dreamy looking backwards uh, or a desire. But as we know, what comes with a lot of modern nostalgia is a kind of depression, despondency, looking back and what we've lost. And it's not just sitting and weeping for what is lost, but as the church puts before us and what we call the season of repentance that we're about to enter into and to its very depths, it is a joyful sorrow. It is something that we are not uh, just compelling ourselves out of fear of God, but perfect love casts out fear, that to grow and to come to know him and to remember and desire that paradise is going to propel us. It's going to actually enkindle deeper faith a hope in God who provides, and therefore a love, not only for him, but for all those that we encounter. 
The saint that we commemorate this day, Porphyrios of Gaza, uh, was a ascetic, uh, a monk who lived around Jerusalem. Uh, later in life, he was made the Archbishop of Gaza uh, and was successful. He uh, first arrived and there was only 200 something, less than 300 Christians in Gaza. Uh, and by the end, this is kind of like Gregory the Wonder Worker. Uh, who was the forerunner before the Cappadocian fathers, Gregory and Basil, uh, and their brother Peter, uh, up in Cappadocia. But he uh, was successful in overturning idolatry uh, around Gaza and establishing a strong church to hand on to the next generation. But earlier in his life, uh, he lived in a cave with his co-struggler, Mark. And at some point, uh, it says that he had weak knees and I'm sure this is just kind of a catch-all because they don't have you know microscopic uh, abilities that we have he couldn't walk and it tells us when uh, this occur happened to him that he would crawl on his knees to the divine services Porphyrios shows us that kind of desire for paradise showing us that even in a state uh, which many of us would just say can't do anything about it of course you need to use your discernment there are certain things that you just can't overcome there's also little things and for him this was a little thing that wasn't going to stop him from getting where he needed to go now the text doesn't tell us how far away he crawled <laughs> so i don't assume this is miles but there is still in this image of this monk who realizes that he needs to be at the divine services. And whether it's weak knees or uh, general tiredness this season, as we change what we eat, <laughs> as our schedule, uh, and inevitably every Lent, something comes up. I'm sure most of you can think of certain Lent. Something challenging comes up, something new or something old that just kind of rears its head again. Physical, financial, familial, something will come up. And if those things don't come up, then we can come up of blights of our soul, that certain things that we can allow to take root and overturn us, and we lose this particular season because we just don't want to. <laughs> Etc. I'm sure those who have had a few lints under their belt, they know what I'm talking about. But let us, as we stand here on the precipice of Lent, uh, that we remind ourselves of the joyful sorrow that is Lent and emphasize the joyful aspect of it. The Gospel reading tomorrow talks about that we don't go around looking like we're fasting, <laughs> that we are like Porphyrios driven even if it is a little bit beyond that we make that extra effort and sacrifice to be at the divine services, and if not at the divine services, to stand before God in our hearts, praying to him who is the one who restores us to that blessed fellowship, uh, the Eden that we sing about today and tomorrow morning. Let us keep before us paradise and what the goal of this season is that it is the one who died, buried, and resurrected 
and brought paradise down to earth so that we can start to participate in it now and long for it in all of its fullness. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.